Ambassador Podcast, a resource created by a community of Christians seeking to represent God to a watching world in humility, unity, and boldness. Our goal is to educate, be educated, encourage, be encouraged, challenge, and be challenged as we pursue a heavenward perspective of God's heart for racial equity and reconciliation rooted in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Yo, what's up, y'all? Welcome back to the Ambassador Podcast. The Ambassador is a biblically informed Christian coalition that engages issues of religion, race, and culture in ways that pursue reconciliation. I am your host, Jared Cole, and I am joined today by my co-host, Tracy Spears. Tracy, what how up? you doing? I'm doing great. <laughs> doing I just good? came back from California not too long ago. Oh, uh, yeah, Took yeah. my boy. It was yeah, great. Yeah, yeah. It was a good time. Went back to the crib. You bet. How's the family? Wild. Wow. Always fun. Loud, crazy. Good. And playing Josh, pool. And Josh was good. Oh, Josh killed it. It was great. Good. Yeah. Good, good. Shout out to Josh. Yeah. <laughs> One more time. <laughs> One more time. Yo, so uh, for our listeners out there, uh, this is Tracy and I's first time doing this podcast without Persia Gamble. So by the time y'all hear this, y'all probably going to already hear the news that yeah. Persia done dipped out and y'all going to hear Persia. a couple different episodes <laughs> and uh, they're going to have Persia on there. You're going to be like, yo, what? I thought Persia, you know, I thought she left. Yeah. <laughs> you know? So this is gonna be the first one that y'all gonna hear uh, without her on here, and uh, we're not gonna uh, do a little shout out to her too much on this one because you're gonna get a full episode. True, you will have true. already heard a full episode, hopefully, um, of how we feel about that, and we just shower her with so much love, man. Love she her. was such a what a gift, a gift to us. Um, benefited mm. us greatly. Uh, we loved her so much on the ambassador. So yeah. uh, hopefully, you'll be hearing her voice. Soon in the near future, again, uh, we'll try to collab with her and try to keep her intact as much as we can. Uh, no promises, man, but she knows that uh, this is a home for her always. So True. Um, if you are new to the ambassador, here's what you can expect. Uh, biblically informed, honest dialogue, and open conversation. What we do is aim to create a space where tough conversations are the norm and where we can come together in humility, unity, and boldness, as always. And so we have an episode for you today. Uh, I am so excited. We have a guest on the show who I'm going to be introducing here in a minute. Uh, But what we're going to be wanting to talk about today is obviously what the ambassador has always been about thus far, racial reconciliation, addressing the racial justice issues in our country. Mm -hmm. Uh, But today, we also want to hear from our guest and eventually narrow this down to really what this looks like uh, in our youth in the country. And and even more so, we are localized in Ames, Iowa. So Mm -hmm. uh, we're going to narrow that down here to our location as well. Uh, And we're going to focus more on that K through 12 range in our education systems, man. Um, uh, This is a real thing. Whenever we think of things like systemic racism and and, and systemic injustice, uh, the public school system is a place that 
probably gets it one of the most, right? Like there's mm-hmm. so many disparities, so many biases that raise up in our in our in our school systems. Um, and there's even if you go to larger cities, there's this thing called the called the uh, the school to prison pipeline, right? Yeah. <laughs> and so just different things like that, the injustices in it. And so I just wanted to invite our guest on here. Uh, his name is Dr. Anthony Jones. And we are so excited to have him. Uh, first and foremost, he has been a dear brother to me, a brother in the faith, a mentor mm. of sorts. Uh, and so I want you to tell our audience, Dr. Jones, a little bit about you, who you are, uh, and how you found yourself here in Ames, Iowa. <laughs> well, hey, thank you all for having me here, uh, Jared and, and Tracy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's, it's truly a uh, blessing. I was excited uh, when, you, mm. when you sent me the text to mm. be a part of this conversation because That's it's good. truly a passion of mine. And mm. so yeah. I really appreciate the opportunity to have this conversation with y'all. But, you know, I'm originally from Montgomery, Alabama. And so I, I um, received a, a George Washington Carver scholarship mm. uh, to come up. So it was an academic shout scholarship. Yeah, <laughs> shout out to Iowa State. Yeah, shout out promise you, <laughs> I've never heard of this place. <laughs> Geography class, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you still couldn't pinpoint it. Yeah, still couldn't pinpoint it, man. Yeah, so, that's, the, that's the worst thing. Really Everybody worst I talk thing. to that's from like the south or the coast, I got to ask them, you know, do you know where Iowa is? They'll be like, no. No, no that's where they make the potatoes, right? Wait, so you applied to Ames, Iowa? Never, never applied. They just send it out? No, it was, it was, a, it was a guy um, that, that he was the director uh, over Minority Student Affairs, mm. Al Campbell. So shout out to Al Campbell. Mm. Uh, he's retired now. Okay. Uh, but he was visiting my high school counselor. Yeah. And I went to George Washington Carver uh, in, in Montgomery. Mm. And he was visiting my high school counselor, just friends, checking in. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, they got to talking about the George Washington Carver Scholarship and what he was working. And so uh, he was telling her, hey, we have this George Washington Carver Scholarship. You know, if you know anybody that need a scholarship or would, would like to come to Iowa State, let them know. And she mm-hmm. was like, hey, I have, uh, have someone that, you know, he hasn't applied to school yet and he's doing very well in school. Yeah. Uh, he was like, let, let him know. Yeah. So when she presented it to me, uh, you know, I'm like, okay, you know, cool. I get to go, you know, get to go to school and stuff. Mm-hmm. Never researched it, didn't wow. look it up. Uh, she told me it was a full ride scholarship, tuition yeah. pay, no books, and everything. Wow. I'm like, I'm there. Wow. Yeah, I'm telling you, I didn't know where the place was. Yeah. Greyhound, I got offered to a uh, summer program. Okay, uh, so I graduated in May of that year, and I got on a Greyhound bus Dang. in June. Mm. Uh, came up 26 hours on the Greyhound bus. Wow. wow. Yeah. yeah. So Changed my first duffel bag, duffel bags, backpack, backpack, aluminum foil, fried chicken, y'all know about that. Yeah. The headphones with two tapes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Walkman, yeah. yes, yes. Just had to flip man, that yeah. tape yeah. over. Yeah. Just had to flip that tape over. 26 hours, you know. So, yes, yeah, yes. Yeah. So take us take us back a little bit. You don't gotta you don't gotta date yourself, man. But what year was that you came no, up to, to Ames? Yep, so that was the summer of nineteen ninety two. Summer of nineteen ninety two. Yep. Okay. Eighteen years old. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Nineteen ninety two. Yep. That's awesome, man. And so uh yeah, so we got here and it was a it was a program that was was centered around recruiting students of color. Mm-hmm. Yeah. From all over the state, mm-hmm. um, including Puerto, Puerto Rico, mm-hmm. and they put us in in Frawley Hall, 
Uh, it was about a little bit over 100 of us. Wow. And they, what they were trying to do was acclimate us to Iowa State before the real deal happened in the mm-hmm. fall. Okay. Mm-hmm. Which were all the other students come back, right? right? right. So they knew what they were doing. Like, let's get them together and make them think yeah. that you're going to see all these black people again in the fall. And they gave us no, a heads up. Rope dope. Yeah, they gave us a rope dope. <laughs> And man, it, it was, I mean, it was on. I mean, we had a good time. Yeah. You know, we, we were able to, you know, get like nine credits. We took math and literacy and mm-hmm. we were yeah. able to get familiar with the campus before mm-hmm. all the students returned and met our, you know, our advisors and stuff yeah. like that. Yeah. So it was a real cool program. Uh, the only thing is when fall came, we were all spread out yeah. uh, on campus. And so wow. uh, we would were, we were rarely see each other. Yeah. 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 So yeah. how, how did that impact your your stay at Iowa State? So you was here all four years. Yep, stayed all four so years. So you had that experience. You yep. came in the first time, 92. Yep. The fall comes. It's yep. like, yo, scattered. I don't see you no know, one. How, how did you navigate that time? Yep. Come, yo, yep. I so, can't imagine. Man, and this was, this was uh, like pre-Christ. So yeah. this, yeah. Like, yeah. Not, yeah. Yeah. And this is like Easter. I only had yeah. Easter and Christmas under my belt. That's yeah. right. That's right. That's right. That's my right. relationship with the Lord. So right. it was none of that. Hmm. Um, Iowa State did a really good job. The Minority Student Affairs did a really good job of, you know, allowing us to have parties mm-hmm. and different opportunities to check in. I think the, fr- the fraternities and sororities, black fraternities and sororities did a really good job of, mm-hmm. of providing us opportunities to get okay. together. Yeah. Um, and then we had little programs set up where you can check in and go up to the office. Yeah. And yeah. again, it was that way that they uh, provided check-ins with us. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dr. George Jackson was another um person that played a significant role yeah. in our lives on campus. And he told us, he said, you know, make sure when you see somebody look like you, make sure you speak because you yeah. probably won't see that. You probably won't see that person again the yeah. rest of the week. That's right. That's yeah. right. And so he taught us to, when you see each other, acknowledge, acknowledge each other, make sure everybody's okay good. and then keep going. And so uh, that really, that really helped a lot. And then, you know, I lived in the towers, uh, which they called the, the ghetto. There you go. Really? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Wow. It was four. Yeah, it used to be four of them. Wow. It used to be four. There were really? only two. But okay. um, yeah, we stayed, and it, it was a, a bunch of us. A lot of black people stayed out there. Wow. And uh, we connected often. We yeah. went to the rec center, okay. played basketball. We went yeah. to dinner. We it's ate a little together. different now. Man, the rec center. The yeah. rec center that came up. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> whole lot different now. So, but we did little things to, to keep yeah. keep ourselves together, and uh, you know, it was a, it was a, a, a college campus church that was on campus as well, uh, Body of Christ Church. It was mm-hmm. called the Black Cultural Center Church mm-hmm. uh, during that time, and we met at the Memorial Union, mm-hmm. and that's mm-hmm. how we stayed connected. That's awesome. Yep. Yeah. So uh, you're married. Yep. Tell us a little bit how you found your wife. Yeah. So, Where was she at? Yeah. Where was you at? Yes. How did that all come together, yes. man? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So another blessing from Ames, Iowa, Iowa State. Yeah. So I actually met my wife uh, the fall of my freshman year. Okay. And okay. every year at Iowa State, and I don't know if they do it now, but they have a, a party at the beginning of the year. Yeah. Get everybody, yep. you know, back together and kind of get you oh, the opportunity yeah. to network. And... Um, um, my wife Tynez and we've been married for 21 years now. Wow! Come on. And, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. And so uh, we met. We met. Uh, she's from Chicago. We met uh, that that fall. That fall, and we didn't. You know, it was that party we met through a, a mutual friend uh, that I met in the summer summer mm. program, mm. and uh, we actually danced that night together. Oh wow! Yeah. 
But that was it. We just okay. we never connected after never that. Connected after yep, that. Never connected Ain't after that. Ain't that crazy? Yeah. We knew it's each other. That, it's always that yeah. one. That one time we knew each other. And the crazy thing about yeah. it, you know, a couple of friends and you know, we kind of met each other over the summer. And yeah. when she walked in, we were kind of arguing with each other, like, man, that's gonna be my girl. Yeah. That's gonna be my girl. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, by the grace of God, you know, I won that competition, and uh, yeah, so that was good. That was good. So yeah, so we have yeah. um, uh, four kids. We have three kids together. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, my oldest son is 26. He lives in San, San Antonio, Texas, okay. and so okay. I wanted to make sure I included that yeah, because awesome. that was a part of my process yeah. of, of of realizing that I needed more yeah. than a GPA or scholarship yeah. uh, to make it in life, and That's so. We we raised we graduated together in uh, in '98 that year wow. in May wow. and uh, we got married in June. So wow. yep, June yeah. 1998. Graduation yep. and marriage. Yep, graduation That's awesome. and marriage. Yeah, awesome. awesome. literally cap and gown, <laughs> tuxedo. Yeah, yeah. Yep. and y'all been here ever since. Well, no. So when we left, so we graduated. We we actually moved together in uh, Tennessee. So no. Johnson City, Tennessee, and so we went to grad school there. And we actually, after we graduated, it, you know, a two-year program, and uh, we ended up staying there five more years. Yeah. Mm. And that's where I first started um, um, working as a teacher. I was an alternative school teacher and a coach. And uh, was also, uh, my final year at Iowa State, I felt a strong call into the ministry and, mm-hmm. yeah. and uh, a call to go into education, yeah. which is crazy. Yeah. And we went to Tennessee. Uh, we was there for seven years. Okay. okay. Then we came back to to Ames in 2005. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. We'll hopefully get to all of that. Man. Yeah. I mean, I'm, yeah. I'm excited to, yes, sir. To, yes, sir. to get this going. Um, so, Dr. Jones, man, what we what we do here, you heard a little about what the ambassador is, right? Mm-hmm. We tackle these conversations. We want to have front door conversations. Yeah. We want to have open and honest conversations on kind of what this what this looks like, yeah. right? And so, the ambassador was bird. It was actually in the works. Before the cultural moment even happened here in mm-hmm. America, yeah, uh, but it just happened to roll out like at that time, right? And so people really started to see a need for this. Mm-hmm. Um, we're thirsting for something like this, right? Mm-hmm. And and we know as uh, African Americans in America that that this isn't something that's pertinent to us whenever uh, the waters get a little rough, right? right this yeah. is something right. that's pertinent to us. Every day, yeah. <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. this is this is this is a conversation, and kind of the the vibe of the ambassador is, uh, it's a living room type environment where we're having a conversation here, just one another. But then our mm-hmm. listeners actually hear it as they're sitting down on these couches, you know, right yeah. behind us, right? Yeah. And so this is mm-hmm. this is the benefit of what we do mm-hmm. uh, and what we talk about. And so, man, I just wanted to invite you in on this conversation uh, because you have a unique vantage point, right? Tracy and I. We're relatively new mm-hmm. to yeah. Ames, and, yeah. and you know my wife. She's from Ames, but mm-hmm. I wasn't. I didn't come here. I was yeah. in Iowa City, right? right? She was there. We met there, played ball together, uh, and I never lived in Ames until 2017, right? So I went straight from college to overseas, yeah. and then yeah. I came back in 2017. And so I'm fairly into this thing, Tracy. You're a couple years in 2019, mm-hmm. 2019. Uh, okay, so yeah, but right. you, yeah, 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 yeah. So, but you've been in the Ames community for. A long time, right? Right, mm-hmm. um, and a lot of our listeners are Iowans, and a lot mm-hmm. of our listeners are 
from here in Ames. Mm-hmm. And so we recently had a couple of the longtime Amesians, if I can call them that, on the podcast. Uh, if you know Abdul Muhammad, yes. um, Quentin yep. Riser, if you know that mm-hmm. name too. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so we heard a lot about their experiences here too, man. And so I would love to hear mm-hmm. how your experience as a person of color has been here and how you've navigated uh, this cultural moment even. You talked a little bit about college, but yep. a little That's bit good. after that, kind of mm-hmm. give us that kind of framework. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things we realized, um, what I realized when we returned, so again, mm-hmm. we graduated in 98, uh, seven years in Tennessee, came back in 2005. Mm-hmm. And so one of the things that we recognized immediately was there is a difference. When you, when you are a black student or a person of color living in Ames, mm-hmm. I think there's a difference that we notice when you are an Iowa State student mm-hmm. versus when you're living in the community. Mm-hmm. You're kind of like, um, you're kind of like cuddled when you are a person of color in Ames because yeah. your connection is with Iowa State. That's good. Got you. Yep. But when you transfer into the community, now yeah. you're seen as a community member. That's and right. so mm-hmm. now people are trying to gauge, like, is this an Iowa State student mm-hmm. or is this a person that, you know, it, that has transitioned over to the community? And what mm-hmm. I mean by that is that when we came in 2005, there was something else that was happening at that time. The migrations. Migration. Yeah. And so it okay. was the people in Chicago right. moving yeah. to Ames. That's right. And that oh, was man. the theme. It was like if you were black, uh-huh. you were a person yeah. from Chicago. Yeah. We yeah. transitioned back from grad school, from a career wow. to Ames community, and mm-hmm. people were trying to engage whether we were a part yeah. of Iowa State mm-hmm. or in a the community. from Chicago yeah, or transplant. Or somewhere yeah. else, yeah. Yeah, so my wife being from Chicago, right? And, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. I, I, you know, we kind of jokingly said that, you know, I said I was going to wear a shirt like, I'm not from Chicago. She is, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it, it, was, it, was, it, was, it was tough because, you Dang. know, with that, with that, it was not only just the migration, the yeah. population of black and brown people increased during that time mm-hmm. significantly. Mm-hmm. But also it was a, um, people were also moving here because of the availability of Section 8. That's right, wow. the housing. Yeah. Okay. So it was not just, um, you know, people just saw Ames as a beautiful place to move. There were yeah. opportunities here. Yeah. yeah. But not all people that moved here were yeah. on Section 8. Some people right. did move because there were opportunities here. Yeah. Yeah. Some people moved here who, who identified as black or brown yeah. moved here to support a, a daughter or a son That's right. who mm-hmm. was attending Iowa State. Mm-hmm. That's right. So it was a lot of mixed yeah. like yeah. migrations, like what I mean by the meaning why a person would come to Ames being mm-hmm. black. Yeah. Uh, there were a lot of people that moved in from Des Moines yeah. Yeah. that moved to Ames. So it yeah. was like, you know, and yeah. so the but majority... The, but the cultural narrative but was the, like... Yeah. You're black, you're from Chicago, Chicago, mm-hmm. you're moving here yeah. to suck up our resources. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. yeah. So that was the response towards. That was the response. Yeah. yeah. And so when I came back, we also had a, a sixth grader. Yeah. Um, you know, my, my oldest son was starting sixth grade at that time. So we also had that relationship of, of engaging with the school system. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the school system was also experiencing an increase in uh, students of color. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. So my son and my my children were now grouped in with with that population too. Why? Because we were new to Ames. That's right. Yeah. So we were trying to navigate all of those things mm. at yeah. the same time. Yeah. Yeah. So what what was that like? What was the what was that cultural response to that? Like, mm-hmm. did you see any kind of outright discrimination? Did you see any kind of outright biases come up and play? I remember, um, you know, I was around in. In in 2010, you're talking five years even before that. Yep. This all was going down. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But, I, but 
So I'm fairly new. I, I've been dabbling in AIM since 2010, since yep. I've been dating my wife. Mm-hmm. And so, like, around that time, I was hearing a lot of things about, you know, uh, people moving north because of the influx of of uh, people of color coming in and the whole Section 8 thing. Yep. And, yeah. you know, you don't want to live in that neighborhood. Yep. And you don't want to go to that school, all this yep. kind of stuff. Yep. And then this... Uh, this this town up north even opens up around that time, Gilbert, right? Mm-hmm. So there was yep. kind of this, I mean, we're talking 2010, yep. and I'm thinking this looks like and sounds like white flight. Yeah. Wow, <laughs> you know? wow. Yeah. Which is bizarre. So I want to know, you were here during that time. Yep. You were a, you were an adult during that time. What did mm-hmm. that feel like? Did you see that? And did was that a real thing? Yeah, that was a, that yeah, was yeah. a real thing. Wow. Hmm. And, um, you know, when we first got here, you know, it was a blend of both. Mm-hmm. And so it was, you know, when you kind of meet people, they would say, you know, one of the things we like about Ains is because of the diversity. Mm-hmm. But what I, what I found wow. out when they mentioned because of the diversity, it was mm-hmm. because of the relationship with Iowa State. That's right. Got you. Diversity is different when you take the academics out of it and when you think about who's going to be next to your kid in the classroom. Mm. So we had a lot of families move out. You can actually see it again because I work in the school system now. You can actually see the demographics, uh, the percentages of white students decrease significantly over the years. So Mm. uh, right now we sit around 69, 68% of white uh, students in our district. Wow. When we were here, so, now it was more like 95, yeah. 94 when we came wow. back in 2005. So in terms of, so mm-hmm. when you talk about the multi-ethnic church, and we'll get to that question here in a minute, like mm-hmm. a multi-ethnic church is technically considered a multi-ethnic church when one demographic doesn't make up more than 80% of the population. And so yeah. when you're talking about the school district, yes. Ames could technically be considered a multi-ethnic yes. school yes. district. Wow. Uh, Very much so. And I, would, and I personally would never even... Think that, yep. you know, but, but that is, mm-hmm. that is amazing. Yep. Yep. That's amazing. Yep. That's sweet. So just to switch a little bit of gears here, um, I know you're a man of faith. Mm-hmm. Uh, and even more than that, I know that you're an amazing Bible teacher and you've spent some time in ministry and mm-hmm. uh, bounced around a couple of churches here in Ames, mm-hmm. you know, uh, I'm a pastor now on staff here in the church in Ames as well. And I have a heart for the multi-ethnic church. And I know you mm-hmm. have a heart for yeah. the multi-ethnic church as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know you and I share some of these passions. So talk a little bit about uh, your conviction for this and how you've been able to hold on to a belief in that uh, despite the nations, and not only the nations, but our church in America, uh, how they seemingly reject it. Right, mm-hmm. yeah. right. Yeah, and, and that, that has been, that has been a, a real struggle. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting when you when you think about having a passion for something, mm-hmm. you you tend to think like there's going to be so much joy. Yeah. But it is is actually a heavy burden. That's right. That's good. Because you have to fight, you know, what the spirit of God says and then with your flesh. You got to yeah. fight against your feelings, mm-hmm. but then you got to you got to you got to um you got to run toward what the spirit is drawing you to. And that has been mm-hmm. that has been very difficult. One of the things again, I didn't even know that was a it was a thing, right? You know, mm-hmm. a multi-ethnic church That's because right. it was all always black church and a white church. Yeah. Yeah. Even when we came here, you know, the BCC was known as the Black Cultural Center Church. Mm. And the pastor, uh, Terran Smith, uh, you know, God gave him that vision a long time ago mm. of, you know, a, a one church, you know. Yeah. Uh, and so we actually changed, he actually changed the name to the Body of Christ Church. And okay. so that was something that was constantly being embedded mm-hmm. in me. And then mm-hmm. plus I was sitting in the scriptures. Mm. Um, the, the struggle that I had was that... Um, 
you knew that on Sundays and Wednesday nights, yeah, uh, there was like a, a mass separation. Yeah, mm. and then it you know it started where it was then it was like this overwhelming desire for multi multi ethnic churches. You yeah. would hear a lot of yeah. people talk about it, yeah. mm-hmm. but again, I want to talk about talk about my experience. Mm-hmm. So it it was great until two thousand seven. Mm-hmm. So 2007, 2006, 2007 uh, was actually when, I want to make sure I get my dates right, yeah. is actually when uh, President Obama began to run for uh, the presidency. Okay. Right? So yeah. I want to make sure I got my years right. right. So during right. 2008, mm-hmm. yeah. um, conversations began to kind of change a little bit. Uh-huh. It was different than, you know, hey, we just got to get together. Yeah. But when we start talking about things outside of Genesis and Revelations, mm-hmm. then you 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 know you can kind of sense people taking sides. That's right. Um, the conversations start to, to center more around uh, uh, patriotism mm-hmm. yeah. versus faith, mm-hmm. and then it was kind of mm-hmm. intermingled together. Yeah. It was kind of blended and messy, and right. yeah. and I really saw in the yeah. church that I was tending that mm-hmm. like center everything vision goal mission centered around multi-ethnic mm-hmm. and I began to see like this separation in this pool in okay. tub. That's right. And, and it was hard for me. Um, mm. It was hard for me to witness that because um, I, you know, I think it, it's, it's hard for us if, if we're honest, we have to be very intentional of separating what is happening in the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then what is happening in the world, right? right. <laughs> and what I mean by that is in the world of Christ, right? And yeah. so we're, we're not like we 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 kind of say it like we're separate, yep. but we we are supposed to be, you know, we're supposed to be in the world, but not of the world, Amen. right? Yep. So Amen. we're still yeah. it's a world, right? <laughs> we're it's still a world, but yep. it was it, it it has been very difficult. It was very difficult for us, and I'm saying us to kind of separate the mm-hmm. two. Yeah. Because you have to kind of sort out offenses that happen. Mm-hmm. You have to, you know, have to, you have to say, well, you know, all of these efforts that I've done unto this point, mm-hmm. I was putting my culture down at the cross, mm-hmm. but no one else was. That's right. right? Mm-hmm. And especially the majority, right? Mm-hmm. Because it was more that if you were black, you need to put down your culture. Why? Mm-hmm. Because even in my understanding of learning, yeah. black people have culture. People That's of right. culture, people, people of color. We have culture, right. yeah. but white people don't have culture. Right. And so when the message was that, you know, we just need to put our culture down at the cross, yeah. Yeah. that was more to me as I began to gain more understanding is that, you know, as a black person, I was the only one putting yeah. my culture huh. down. It was, a, it was yeah. a fancy way of saying assimilate. Yes. Yeah. It was a spiritual way a spiritual of way religious of and religiosities <laughs> mixed up in there. And I, I literally thought that, you know, that, that, was, that was biblical, right? That was mm. biblical. But I've learned that even we know when we look in the scriptures there, even in you know revelations, we know that every race or ethnicity yeah. was acknowledged. That's yeah. right. So if they would have put their culture down, mm-hmm. it would have literally been only one ethnicity mentioned. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so I knew that there were some things that were, that were happening that I needed to gain a little more understanding. And so that was my wrestling with multi-ethnic. Multi-ethnic and to me is is truly multi-ethnic when it's multi-ethnic, right? Yeah. 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 <laughs> it's not, yeah. you know, we're multi-ethnic by skin color, yeah. but we're all like worshiping under one, you know, dominant culture race right. or westernized uh 
type of faith. Yeah, yeah. And so um, what what I began to do is that I had to continue to focus on what the Word of God was saying, That's right? right. Mm-hmm. And I had to continue to remind myself to go back to the Scriptures, to go back to the text. But I not only just go back to the text, but also be honest in what I was seeing in the text, That's right? Yeah. right? Yeah. And so, like, we act like, you know, racism only happens in the world. Mm-hmm. But, you know, like I said, we're in the world but not other world, mm-hmm. right? And so, like, we, we we go to work, you know, Monday through Friday. I'll just use the traditional. We yeah. go to work Monday through Friday, but then when Sunday, Sundays come, we, we act like we just take all of that off, yeah. and then we go into <laughs> we go into a spaceship, <laughs> shoot off into some, you know, planet somewhere, right. and then we have That's church, right? So and then we come back, we yep. get off, and then yep. we go out yeah. the door, we pick up everything else mm-hmm. that we drop off, but that's yep. not true. That's right. yeah. And so, for me, when we think in terms of multi-ethnic and, and what that believe what what that means is that everybody gets the chance and the opportunity to come in and be who God created them to be. That's right. Under one roof, right? That's one right. Lord, one faith, one baptism. That's, that's right. what it well, that's yeah. what it means, right? Yeah. And so uh, this idea that you have to take your culture off to come together is is a is a fallacy. Yeah. Dang. Yeah. Huh. You drop maybe Fifty and a half bombs in that in that one little in that one little thing, man. So uh, that was that was so rich for me. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the main tenets for the ambassador is this concept of humility, mm-hmm. yeah. right? Mm-hmm. I think humility is a necessary requirement for yeah. unity, yeah, mm-hmm. um, because unity can only happen among diversity. Yeah. There yeah. is no such thing as unity without diversity. Right. And so mm-hmm. in order for that to take place, mm-hmm. humility has to be a key characteristic yeah. in there. Yeah. And so when we when yeah. you when you were talking about this whole kind of laying down your culture, mm-hmm. um, which is which is something that's true, right? Kind of kind of Paul talks about that in mm-hmm. his yeah. letter to the to the Philippians. Mm-hmm. Um when he's saying, you know, who, who, who can brag more than I can brag? Yes, right. Like I am a Jew of all Jews from the tribe of Benjamin, mm-hmm. uh, circumcised on the eighth day. Right, right. When it comes to the law, I was a zealot. Yes. You know what I'm saying? Yes, yes. <laughs> like there's, uh-huh. there's, 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 mm-hmm. there's nobody that can brag more than I can, mm-hmm. right? But then he gets to the end of that, he mm-hmm. says, but I lay it all down mm. yep. for the sake of Christ, yep. yeah. right? Uh, for the sake of my brother even, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Because he is a, he's the relational apostle. He's yes. apostle to the Gentiles. Yes. So he's like, this multi-ethnic reality that I believe in is not, is not something of my own doing. This is right. something that was shown to me by Christ right. in my own relation, my own conversion yes. to Jesus. Mm. This is what I know to be true. And yes. for this to be true, for this diversity and unity to come together with this yeah. Jew and Gentile relationship, uh, humility has to be a key yes. tenet. And so mm-hmm. how do we talk about that in our own context mm. where uh, the the not only the fear, but the reality that you're talking about is like, yeah. yo, in most multi-ethnic contexts, yes, lay your culture down, but it's usually the black and brown people, the yep. minority yeah. culture that mm-hmm. is laying down their culture uh, more so than the majority culture. How right. do we navigate that, and, and what do we do? Right, yeah. <laughs> right. And that's the you know that's 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 very that's very uh, that's hard. Mm-hmm. You know, and again, you know, if it was you know, I've said this before. You know, to even pastors here, and mm-hmm. you know, I've learned that. You know, if if multi ethnic churches 
um, were easy to develop, yeah. then everyone would be doing it. Mm-hmm. And all churches would look look yeah. like that, right? Yeah. But it is very difficult, right? Yeah. And so one of the things I would say is that, uh, you know, for, for black and brown people, and again, I can only speak to my experience, right? Yeah. Is that one of the things I know that I believe is that you have to model it, mm-hmm. right? And that's one of the things that's beautiful about Paul is that he modeled that. That's good. Mm-hmm. Right? And so it was nothing that, you know, he was telling other people to do. He said, I'm, you know, he, he lived that, right? Yeah. He, he lived that. Yeah. And not only that, but... He was humbled. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he, so he, he was mm-hmm. humbled. So, so it wasn't okay. like he said, you know, I'm just going to. I'm just going to. I'm just going to, you know. <laughs> what's, what's the I'm best practices? Gonna, like, from the like, like, let me get that like, list down. Got, <laughs> you know, he was actually interrupted, <laughs> oh, right? Man. And so he was humbled. So that's, that's a word right that's there. A lot of people ain't going to pick that up, but that's a word. That's so good. I'm just it. Go ahead. He was humbled, right? And then if you notice, even if you look out the life of Paul, you know, especially when we talk about unity, right, mm-hmm. and reconciliation, yeah. we always skip over forgiveness and repentance. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we always mm-hmm. skip over that. Like, mm-hmm. if mm-hmm. in order for it to be some reconciliation, that that meant that it was some conflict, it was some tearing away. Sure, it, it had to be some type of separation. Yeah, and when there's a separation, right? If you know, my wife and I, we get in an argument. There's a tension. There's a there's a you know a, a, a separation, right? Yeah. Yeah. You know, we kind of go in our corners, but in order for us to come back together to reconcile, mm-hmm. is that it has to be some forgiveness. That's right. Yeah. And it has to be some repentance. Yeah. And through that process, there would be some humility. Right. <laughs> there would be Amen. some humility yeah. and humbling happening Amen. in there. I can only speak on my side. I've been yeah. humbled a lot in, yeah. in my marriage, right? Right? Yeah. right? And so, but that takes a, a, a that takes a constant. Uh, recycling, right? Mm. Because it's not like we we argue one time mm-hmm. and then you know we had that one big argument and we've never <laughs> we never fought, <laughs> we never fought again. <laughs> we never had any disagreements. <laughs> and uh, we're the same race, same you know yeah. culture. Yeah. If we want to put that and yeah. come from yeah. the same generation. Yeah. And we still have arguments and That's disagreements, right. but we want to. We expect that people with different upbringings yeah, and different yeah. ways and identity, just yeah. we're just gonna come together. Yeah. This is yeah. gonna be easy. But yeah. Paul modeled. He yeah. modeled for me. He modeled what it means to be humbled. Mm-hmm. What to, what it means to walk in forgiveness. What it means mm-hmm. to walk in repentance. Yeah, I think Dang. that's really yeah. good. Yeah, I think yeah. Uh, another key to the. Uh, you know, if we want reconciliation, there's got to be uh, forgiveness and mm-hmm. repentance, right? Yeah. I think in order to get there too, there's got to be a third, let's say, leg to that stool, you mm-hmm. know, so to speak. Yep. Is that truth telling? Oh my God, has to be involved. Yes, sir. In that, right there, mm-hmm. there is okay. no reconciliation. Mm-hmm. There is there, there there can't even be any true forgiveness, even right. if there's not truth being told. Yes, mm-hmm. and so. In our relationships, in our inter, in, in our interpersonal relationships, so marriages, right? Mm-hmm. In our between friends, between yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know uh, parents and 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 children, mm-hmm. if there's not truth being told, when there's forgiveness being sought and repentance being sought, then the reconciliation, whatever it looks like, right. is even going to be incomplete or null and void. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. That's and good. so I think truth telling is really, really important too. Man. Yes, in that conversation. And I think even hearing you talk about that, the picture that kept coming to mind is like the verse where it's like, pick up your cross and mm-hmm. follow me. And so mm-hmm. in order to even do that, like what you talked about, the humility piece, or to actually seek forgiveness and repentance is the requirement of us to like, have that gospel at the forefront and what Jesus calls us to, to pick up our cross daily and lay it down. Mm-hmm. 
that's mm-hmm. hard to do. Yeah. yeah. But we have yeah. the Holy Spirit that's in us that yeah. actually allows amen. us and empower us to actually mm-hmm. do that amen. well. Amen. Mm-hmm. Amen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cool. Um, next question, Dr. Don. I think it's safe to say that the church is often behind <laughs> on a lot of the issues that it should be at the forefront of, right? Yeah. Uh, racial justice and racial reconciliation, I believe, are some of those. And I think the problem in some sense is that the church has failed to enter into these tensions and has allowed the world and secular culture to define a lot of those things, a lot of those words that really don't belong to them, right? right? Mm-hmm. Uh, these words are actually biblical in nature. These words like justice, yeah. equality, mm-hmm. equity, diversity, reconciliation, mm-hmm. restoration. Like, like these words are biblical in nature. Whenever we think about the the greater scope of the gospel, yeah. mm-hmm. like literally all those words get wrapped into what Jesus Christ has done on the cross. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Uh so what is your take on this? And and it doesn't have to be comprehensive, uh, but I do want to toss this up to you and kind of just get your thoughts on, man, when you think of some of those words and even, you know, equity in terms of your uh your profession right now, but mm-hmm. man, justice, diversity, reconciliation, like what does this mean uh, to you, and how does this take play in your life? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, to to our to our shame as a yeah. as as people of faith, you know, it's, it's sad to say that um, the world sometimes has modeled that better than us. Mm-hmm. You know, and and again, you know, like you said, we're we're the church is often behind, and it and it's and it's based off this fear. You know, um, the Bible says that perfect love casts out all fear. That's good. Mm. And so we tend to have this this back and forth about wordsmithing and word playing and 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 who has ownership of love, right? Mm-hmm. And and uh, it's just for me, it's just sad to say that you know, in certain places, being able to see uh, people that that are unchurched or not a part of church, I would say they do not have a faith or religion mm-hmm. that they've modeled that uh, better, better than we have. Um, you know, my, my take on it. So I think about, you know, this back and forth about critical race theory mm-hmm. and, mm-hmm. you know, this idea of what we believe about uh, protests. That's right. right? Mm-hmm. That's right. And and black, but lives matter. black lives yeah. matter. Yeah. Like, you know, yeah. I, I literally uh, uh, been a part of an email uh, mm-hmm. with a parent um, who is upset because a teacher, you know, we have these technology ways of, inter- you know, engaging our students and, you know, it's through something called the Google Classroom mm-hmm. and the teacher used a cartoon image, you know, mm-hmm. Bitmoji, right? Mm-hmm. If I can yeah. speak y'all language, Bitmoji. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, with, uh, with BLM on the shirt, yeah, right? Yeah. And this parent flipped out, I'm, I'm telling you. Dang. Uh, and, and for me, it was more like, you know, and the, the response of the email, which was with such anger. Mm. I mean, it was like, okay. it wasn't even more about the, 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 the issue, but to me, it was more about the word, wow. right? Mm. Yeah. Black Lives Matters. And I know that, you know, there's a, you know, there's an organization, yeah. Black Lives Matters, yeah. mm-hmm. but then there's a message, yeah, Black yeah. Lives mm-hmm. Matters. That's right. mm. And I don't know if people are determining the difference. Mm-hmm. Uh, in my experience, it just seemed like just anything, uh, you know, where 
you know, black people are uplifting themselves and voicing, you know, their their belief in the beauty of their skin color. There's yeah, yeah. always this anger, mm-hmm. right, centered around that. And it's just, you know, I'm just trying to, you know, I'm just trying to walk in joy about my skin color, right? <laughs> yeah, <pleasure. laughs> I'm right. just trying to encourage myself right, in right, the Lord, right? right? right. And so, <laughs> I, I can't change my skin color, so I have to yeah. tell myself that black yeah, lives black matter, beautiful. right? Black, black is, is beautiful. beautiful. Right? Yeah, come on now. But there's a struggle with, like, this word, these, these these words and, and you know I, it's still hard for me to, to say that I saw this one uh, mm-hmm. tweet where you know and it's this is a person out there of you know theology and pastor whatever and mm-hmm. they have this issue with woke right and yeah. so and I, again I don't know where you all are, are about you know yeah, wokeness and all those things but but wokeness is in the scriptures right yeah, yeah, it's yeah. just you know for me it's like you know, you know, I grew up in the world, you know, with hip hop and I'm real like in the hip hop and but I'm probably more R and B, but you know, R and B and hip hop is blended together. Mm-hmm. And I grew up in a culture where we take words and we flip it, right? That's right. And it doesn't mean that it's true, but we just take a word and we just make it our own. Mm-hmm. And so wokeness is not Unbiblical, That's you know, right. unless you want to take out what Elijah prayed for mm-hmm. the young servant, mm-hmm. you know, Lord, I pray that you open his eyes that he may see. Wow, right? That's so good. <laughs> that young servant ended up woke because he was able to see all of the soldiers. He was able to see that it was more of us than Mm -hmm. it was of them Mm -hmm. because Elijah prayed that his eyes would be open. That's good. Mm -hmm. That's being awakened. That's right. You know, Paul even says, wake up, you sleeper, sleeper, sleepers, right? Wake up, you sleepers, arise from the dead and Christ Mm -hmm. will give you light. That's right. Mm -hmm. That's just a And even the the way Paul articulates his own conversion was a type of the scales falling from his eyes. eyes. Waking up of some sort. Right. Right. And so there's this, this reality. <laughs> oh my goodness, man! But, but we but we spend Come so on, much man. we spend so much time of collecting what I you know and again I'll call it gleaning right. Yep. Sure. Things that will cause us to stay separated, right? Mm-hmm. We just want to we just want to lean on a word mm-hmm. and we want to use that as more material. Okay. See. That's why we, you know, black mm-hmm. people, they just got to go and worship. You know, they want to go worship with their own people. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't think anything wrong with us wanting to worship mm-hmm. with our own people. It's okay. We mm-hmm. all worship in Christ. Mm-hmm. But that's not what the scripture that's said, right? right? Amen. Amen. <laughs> that's not what yeah. the scripture says. So yeah. we kind of gather things to make us feel comfortable. Mm-hmm. And that is not truth, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I like the fact that you said, Jared, you know, about, you know, mm-hmm. this, this truth, right? Mm-hmm. And so we always, and I do it even in my work with, you know, teaching our staff about, you know, Know, words like bias, implicit bias, yeah. and yeah. things like that, right? And what it, what does race and racism means, right? And all those things, mm-hmm. and it's always this 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 opportunity for awareness and for us to enter into this conversation. We always use these agreements. Like one is like you got to speak your truth, yeah. yeah. But we always center that around yeah. your truth is not the truth. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's we need really to good. bring that's just Dang. that's my job. That's my Dang. secular yeah. job. We're yeah. having that conversation, wow. mm-hmm. and I think we need to bring that back to the oh, church. Yeah. That yeah. we we're, we're going to speak our truth, mm-hmm. but our truth is not the truth. That's right. Mm. Our truth, what our truth has done, right or wrong, we have many denominations. Mm-hmm. We have all these different types of churches mm-hmm. because we have our truth. That's right. But it's not the truth. The, the truth is only when we're together. Why? Yeah. Because we know in part, we speak in part, we prophesy in part, right? We. Amen. Separately, mm-hmm. we we always know things in part, mm-hmm. but together with Christ being in the center, that's yeah. when we fully know 
the truth. That's right. Yeah. And until we realize that, we're man, come on, come on, man. <laughs> come on, come on. <laughs> Can you preach so, that part for us real quick? Go ahead, go, go, go ahead, go ahead, and, go ahead and preach that for us I'm real just, quick. To, to me, though, because it's such a, I get I get exhausted because we're wasting time. That's right. Time is running out. Uh, time is running out. Do you just get like fire in your stomach when you hear the word patience? Oh <laughs> Progress. Man. Yes, yes. No, time is running yeah, out. Yeah, Christ yeah. is coming. That's a, that has Christ always been back, the, the that's that has always been the call. Christ is coming. Yeah. Right. The only time we think about patience, mm-hmm. He's being patient so that we all may come into salvation, that we all may repent. Right. So mm-hmm. He can return. Right. Mm-hmm. And so it's always that. But in terms of like, mm-hmm. you know, imagine if 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 Christ was if He was patient. Mm-hmm. And reconciling us to God, yep. right? Yep. Imagine if, you know, God did not send his son into the world, right? Mm-hmm. And imagine if he was patient on that. But no, it was, a, it was a protest on the way the things that was happening in the world. Mm-hmm. And what Christ did, I mean, just his very presence mm-hmm. was a protest, yeah, right? That's right. That's what led him wow. to the cross. His very presence was a protest. Okay, mm-hmm. no, okay. And that's what led him to the cross. Okay. Wow. I think, we got that. I think we got that. Yeah. So, oh, that's um, beautiful. This is, you know, when I think about these these words that, you know, of love and justice mm. and reconciliation, uh-huh. um, these are things that, you know, the, the, and again, I go back, the world has sometimes to our shame and our embarrassment. Like, I, I cover my eyes, like, you know, it's yeah, like, yeah. oh. Have, they have modeled that more than us, and we need to get back in the front of that. Those words come from faith. Yep. Mm-hmm. You know, when you see like these great titles of movies and mm-hmm. all these different, you know, ways that they've created movies, mm-hmm. they get it from a biblical text. That's right. You know, when you think about what Stan Lee has done, I'm a real big Marvel fan. Okay. You know, I'm a real okay. big Marvel oh, yeah. fan. <laughs> Take us the end game. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> all these things of creativity, they get that from the That's Word right. of God. The they get that from they get yeah. that from the scriptures. Yeah. And so salvation, salvation, all the savior those of things. The world. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And so yeah, I could go on like you know, like you said, you know, that's that's one of our passions. But uh, I I would sum that section up to say, you know, especially in terms of that truth, you know, we have to know that yes, we have truth, but it's not the truth. And Mm -hmm. the truth is based on our experiences, right? right. But not Mm -hmm. all the time our experiences make it the truth. It's what happened to me doesn't mean that it happened to you. Now Mm -hmm. we see constant themes that we have to talk about. Yeah. You know, Mm -hmm. a person like you walk down the street and I walk down the street yeah. but something you know something gonna happen right yeah. Yeah. Yep. I can speak from my experiences of what happens in the school system yeah. if a group of black students are gathered in the hallway talking mm-hmm. and a group of white students are gathered yeah. in the hallway talking then those black students are gonna be told by an adult to get to class yeah. and those white students will be saying hey you know how's you know, yeah. how was your weekend oh, wow. you, know, yeah. you know and so yeah. those are the things that are truth and yep. data shows that like That's because right. yeah. it happens over and over again and so yeah. but even in that data that's our truth but then we talk in terms of knowing the whole entire truth is adding the truth which is christ that's good mm, yeah. that's good Gosh. Yeah. yeah i think that's a, a perfect time to segue into this so you've yep worked like you've been dabbling in this you've been talking about what you do as a day job all, all this kind of stuff mm-hmm. uh and so you've worked and served in both ministry and secular context yeah and right now mm-hmm. you're the director of equity for the yep. Ames school district yes mm-hmm. right and so walk us through, you talked about some of these things now, and I love that example of Man. a group of black kids hanging out in the hallway and a group of white kids hanging out in the hallway. 
that was a phenomenal illustration. Yeah. But walk us through some of your efforts there. What types of problems are you seeing? Mm-hmm. Um, and you can talk about, man, like back in the office, or you can talk about just what you see when you're walking down the hallways, you know, uh, and how have you seen some progress yeah. in what you what you guys are doing there? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So one of the things I can talk about is what I'm seeing. So that was a behavior example, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. An interaction of an adult teacher, a white teacher, seeing a group of black students mm-hmm. uh, and saying, you know, get to class, and then seeing a group of white students in the hallway doing the exact same thing and nothing being said, more of a conversation being had. The other thing that I, I've seen is that, you know, you can literally walk down the hallway and you can see what we call like talented, gifted classes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can see all the white and Asian students go into that mm-hmm. class. Mm-hmm. And you can see all the black and brown students in, in like more of the remedial classes, yeah. what we call yeah. like at-risk programs. Yep. And when I say all, you know, I'm not saying like all 100% of black yeah. students are in there. Mm-hmm. But when you look in that classroom, it looks like it's all of me That's in right. there. Wow. So mm-hmm. we're, you're able to see it in class choices, mm-hmm. yeah. which sometimes we, we don't talk about. Uh, I've seen it in how students are... Um, are counseled to go into certain classes versus mm. other classes Dang. that can help them get into college. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so um, I've seen that on an, an academic scale. Mm. Uh, I've seen it also in resistance uh, of mm. opportunities being given to uh, black and brown students. So for instance, uh, we, we initiated a, a program called Connect, and it was mm-hmm. an opportunity for us to get black and brown students engaged in, in college. Yeah. You know, we were in a college town, mm-hmm. and many of our students, especially at that time, they had not been on Iowa State campus, Dang. attended a basketball game or football mm-hmm. game. And so what we were doing is we were creating different opportunities, partnering with Iowa State and getting uh, some of our black students onto campus. And we had we had some teachers who were, you know, they didn't understand why, you know, the black and brown students are getting these opportunities um, to go to these games. Yeah. Mm. And for me, my response was that, you know, when I see these commercials about Iowa State and, yeah. you know, I see these fans yelling in the screen, you know, mm-hmm. with the little sticker, mm-hmm. cyclone sticker on their cheeks, mm-hmm. they all look white. I, I rarely see a black yeah, and brown yeah. kid yeah. with the camera on them. Yeah. And so our kids see that. And wow. so what they Dang. think is that that's not something that's for me. Yeah. And so what we tried to do is give them the opportunity to go on campus to see what Dang. it's like, to see a dorm room. It's like, man, and, and what we realize is that once students begin to see that, they started having a different conversation that's about right. what happens when they graduate. Oh, that's so yeah. good. And so, yeah. but we had teachers who had problems with that. Yeah. And they that's felt like bizarre. They were like, that's, that's even in, those of y'all who don't know, most of y'all will know, but Ames is a college town. Yeah. College town. Yes, sir. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Most black and brown folks don't live in college towns. Yeah. And so if this is a problem for young black and brown kids who are in a college town with Iowa State University right down the street from them, how much more so is this a national yeah. crisis? Yes. Yeah. You yes. know? Man. Yes. So that's just so bizarre. So, yeah. yeah. Uh, there's this trope, mm-hmm. and I battled this trope when I was coming up in school mm-hmm. of like... Um, not wanting to try hard at school. Yeah. <laughs> you know? There we go. Mm-hmm. Uh, not wanting to uh, be smart. Yep. You know, not wanting to do my homework because yep. I know if I did those things, my yeah. boys would, you know, make fun of me. I'd ride me and I wouldn't hear yep. the last of it, right? Yep. And so, uh, you know, we can we can make it a race conversation and there is, right, there's so many biases in, in there. Yeah. But then there's also this aspect of... Um, and I think it's 
it's not unrelated to a type of colorism. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Like yeah. it's this. Yeah. Uh, and we don't. We're not going to define that. But it's if you know, you know. Uh, but how can we battle against some of those things yeah. in the school systems? Right. When I think of the young middle school kids I know, mm-hmm. the young elementary school kids I know, like how do we get them there that early so when they get to high school and they're thinking in terms of man, what's next for me? Yeah. Uh, that stuff can actually benefit and aid the things that you guys are doing and right. taking them to the universities, taking yeah. them to the dorm rooms, taking them to the to the college games. Yeah. Yeah. Um, to say, you know, this next step, mm-hmm. I see myself doing this. Right. Right. Because for me right. personally, I got a chance to play college basketball. Right. If I didn't play college basketball, I would not have gone mm-hmm. to college. Yeah. It wasn't, it wasn't nowhere near right. my radar. Mm-hmm. You know what I mm-hmm. mean? Uh my family's blue collar family. Mm-hmm. We Worked at Ford Motor Company. I call right. Ford Motor Company a family business, yeah. right? <laughs> Yo, my, my, my mom's worked at Ford. My pops worked at Ford. My cousins, my mm-hmm. sisters and brothers mm-hmm. worked at Ford. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so that was going to be me, yep. potentially. And yep. then the game caught me, and it took yep. me to college, you know? Mm-hmm. And so, uh, yeah, how, how, do we, how do we not let that be the case? And, like, for, for most black and brown kids, particularly boys, yeah. That's the avenue right there. Like, yeah. like, like my, my experience, mm-hmm. that's the avenue, yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. Uh, but little do we know, like 1% of mm-hmm. high school seniors yeah. get a chance to, black Actually, or white, doesn't matter, yeah. 1% get a chance to go play yeah. college basketball. Absolutely. You know? Yeah. And so how do, we, how do we not let that be the case? Mm-hmm. How do we influence our kids to to want to do well in school, to yeah. not have it, you know, yeah. um, be a taboo thing, right? Right. So, two things that I, that I, I notice. One is that when we, in the work that I that I've been doing, right, is that it's one part where it's like discussion. Mm-hmm. Sure. You know, let's get together and do dialogue around race. Mm-hmm. You know, racial reconciliation, right? Yeah. And I think there there are a certain group of people who are in power. They're okay with that. Mm-hmm. But then we need to start having a different conversation about changing systems. That's good. And so what that looks like is that, you know, one of the things we start realizing is that when even in elementary, yeah. when when our students are engaging in reading materials, they're only reading stories about, you know, white people that has nothing to do with their reality, right? Yeah. yeah. And then when we use words like when you see uh, scientists, mm-hmm. Who comes to mind? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Most of the time it's somebody white, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. in a white jacket. It's yeah. never anybody brown or black, and they don't see it in the books. Yeah. Yeah. And then when they see them in the books, there's there's a research out there, and I can't remember the, the researcher's name right now, but they did a, a, a research on the number of like the percentages of, of black and brown people and their representation in the book. Mm-hmm. And it was over like 66 or 67 percent. No, it was I think it was higher than that. Of most of the time, when is a person of color or is a conversation around race, they're represented in 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 a form of an animal. Mm. Mm. So it's like mm. the bear stings, you know, yeah. the brown bear, you know, yeah. is going to have yeah. a conversation about race, yeah. you know. Yeah. But in terms of like you know jobs and activities and careers, who created something, mm-hmm. they're mostly white. Yeah. And so yeah. Uh, we have to start getting that information in front of our students in elementary, mm. so they can begin to see that we have black sides. Scientists, that we have wow. black uh, researchers, that we have black professors, mm-hmm. that we have black doctors and lawyers, that yeah. we have black astronauts, right? So, yeah. like yeah. those things, we have black book writers and authors, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so we have to start allowing them to see that in their 
in their reading materials. Yeah. You know, it, it was, it was, I can tell you a quick story. We had a teacher, a uh, parent contacted me and she was, oh man, she was upset. <laughs> and this was, a, this was a white parent <laughs> yeah. with a black child. Okay. 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 So I want to make sure I'm giving you like context here. Yeah. She was upset because the teacher uh, gave them an assignment to do about the presidents. Mm. This was like 2017. Mm. Mm. Uh, our boy, President Barack Obama, was not in there. Mm. Yeah. Intentional or not, mm. it was, it, it, I think what, what we found out was like it was old materials, right? And so yeah. sometimes teachers get in the habit of like, this worked last year, this worked 10 yeah, years yeah, ago, yeah, yeah. so I'm going to give this cool assignment. Yeah. And it didn't change the presidents. Right, right. <laughs> yeah. And she was upset because, you know, President Barack Obama wasn't in that on the pictures. Uh-huh. And so what that does to a kid to not see it mm-hmm. is to believe that it did not happen. That's right. Yeah. right. And so we have to start making sure that we're intentional about yeah. going through our bookshelves and our classrooms and, and changing that. So we have a full representation yeah. uh, of our students in the classroom. Yeah. That's yeah. that's one that's yeah. one area that I know we need to look yeah. uh, closely at. Yeah. And I think that's super sufficient man, mm-hmm. because. Yeah. Representation matters. is literally everything. Yes, yeah. you know it. It really does matter. I was a. Uh, I had a two year stint working at a graduate health sciences school down in Des Moines University, and mm-hmm. I would travel, you know, out and do all these kind of things and, and go recruiting. And one of the things we did was hold like a uh, a little event at the school for. Uh, for young boys and young girls, mm-hmm. right? And so we had efforts to try to diversify that pool uh, to get them in. And we had, you know, some some young black and brown uh, 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 students, yeah. you know, so they would be there. And mm-hmm. so, you know, we sent out a questionnaire and saying like, you know, when you want to grow up, what do you want to be? And, yep. and so many of the young, you know, minority students that fill those things out. We're saying, I want to be a singer. I want to be a rapper. I want to be a basketball player. I want to be a sports star, all this kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's because that's what they see. That's the, that's the representation. That's where we see ourselves in that realm. Right. Yeah. When they come into the doors of Des Moines university and they see a a black man in a white coat, a black girl in a white coat. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That just changes yes. everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's it's such a beautiful thing, mm-hmm. and, and and not diversity for, for the sake of diversity, you know. But I mean, it's it is a very real reality that right. man. Yeah. If, if I don't see it, I don't believe I can become it. Right. You know. Yeah. Right. And so I think I think that's really good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think so. I work for a high school ministry, and. Yeah. Even hearing you talk a little bit about your experiences working in the school system, I think it would be helpful for you to like shed light on maybe conversations that you had with have had with students that are mm-hmm. black or brown mm-hmm. about their experiences in school. Yeah. And yeah, just give that like a, a picture for us of what that looks like mm-hmm. in comparison to white students yeah. and like your fight to encourage and push students to mm-hmm. have a bigger vision for themselves, yeah. even when the school system or whatever their environment they're in might be against them. So maybe talk about the pressures that they experience outside mm-hmm. of the school system mm-hmm. and things like that. Yeah. Um, Many times the conversation I've had with, with students is that, one, is that I've said this, something about, you know, young people, and I don't know if we lose it as we get older or mm-hmm. it's more developed, but um, they are hyper-focused, especially when you think about middle school and high school, yeah. of how you treat me. 
Yeah. <laughs> right. So, you know, you can say one thing, but I'm looking at like not only how you treat me, mm-hmm. but how you treat somebody else that look like me. Mm-hmm. That's good. So, you know, my kids, they've had the, the blessing or the curse, I don't know, of having their dad be at the school that they, in, they, they attend. Right. Mm-hmm. Or be the principal. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they were they're able to tell me stories of how they saw other black students being treated. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it caused them to not want to be there. Yeah. yeah. Everybody knows Dr. Jones kids, you know, oh, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but then they notice how they treat other students that look like wow. them. Yeah. And they saw the hypocrisy. That's good. So, but that not only happened with my kids, but yeah. other students would be able to come in my office and share the same thing. Yeah. yeah. So, I, you know, I've oftentimes said, you know, our students want to leave. We not only want them to graduate, yeah. but we want them to graduate with a great experience of yeah. being in Ames School District. You know, we yeah. want to be like Walt Disney. You know, yeah, we, we right. want them to have a great experience. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah, yeah, we don't yeah. want to have a cap and gown. Yes. <laughs> yes, you want to come back. You want to, you know, yeah. so so our, our our students know like how you treat me. Like that mm. that matters yeah. to yeah. them. I understand you want me to go to college. I know you want me to go to this class. Yeah. But I don't want to go to that class because how that teacher treats me. That's mm-hmm. good. So most of the conversations I've had with students is trying to like get them to understand like we got to we got to work through that. Right. But that's when I was an assistant principal. And I realized is that, you know, even to my embarrassment, as I talk about some of the approaches that I tried to do Mm. at the middle school, I oftentimes said, and there's no disrespect. I love this sister. She's very powerful. And this is an understatement Mm. of Harriet Tubman. Right. Mm -hmm. So Harriet Tubman. She helped free the slaves, right? Mm-hmm. But what she was doing, she was going back and forth. Like, you know, she'll grab yeah. a group and yeah. take them. She'll go back and grab them, take yeah. them. But, but what needed to happen, which later happened, is that now we started focusing on the system yeah. because mm-hmm. it, it, you no longer need to get somebody to escape, right? Yeah. How about, like, abolish slavery? Yeah. <laughs> right? So. Yeah. Yeah. I, what I was doing, I would let students come in my office and I would say, yeah, those, those bad teachers, just stay mm. in my office till the bell rings, right? Mm. And then send them back. They would leave out and feel good. But what I was doing, I was sending them back mm-hmm. into those classrooms. Yeah. And so one of the things that I've learned from that is that I had to help students realize, one, is to be aware. Mm-hmm. I had to let them be woke. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> Can I say yeah. this in a church? Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. You can say it again if you want. You say it again if you want. <laughs> but I had to I had to help them be aware yeah. that this treatment is not because not only because of your skin color, right? Yeah. Yeah. There's there's forces working against Systems, you yeah. to disadvantage you. Wow. Yeah. And what you have to realize is that now you have to work. And I know, and I'm going to say this loosely because I, sometimes I think we put unwarranted pressure on us as black people. You know this phrase that we got to work 10 times a water, yeah. yeah. those yeah. things. But we have to be like, we have to be strategic in how we approach things. Yeah. And I used to tell them like, mm-hmm. you're here to get what you want, yeah. right? We have to be more strategic and you have to use this system to get what you want. Yeah. And when you start talking about, you know, you got to play the game, you know, yeah. to get, yeah. when you start talking like that, they mm-hmm. begin to understand, like, yeah, there's forces that want you, yeah. they're working against you mm-hmm. so that you want to succeed. And we mm-hmm. got to prove to them that they're yeah. wrong. That's good. And yeah. so that's one of the things. That's and that's being aware, like, that's awareness. Like, what did you notice about your classroom? You know, say, what do you notice about this handbook? Well, yeah. I noticed that most of the rules is about, you know, the way, you know, black people dress. 
Sure. Okay, now yeah. then we start having a conversation about that. What can we do to address that? What can we do to resist yeah. this? Mm-hmm. Well, I can go talk to Mr. So and so and let them know like we need to we need to address this handbook. Mm-hmm. So now it's not only, you know, we hired this black principal to come yeah. and help yeah. all the black kids. Yeah. Like they're now, advocating for themselves they're advocating also. Advocating for themselves because that is gonna transfer over to high school yeah. and that's gonna transfer over to college. Then it's gonna transfer in life that yep. they're gonna add they're gonna have to advocate. Yeah. They're gonna have to run for office, they're gonna have to go and bold and protest to get what they want. And so now it's no more this, as I've heard a lot of, like, you know, in conversations and tweets when people get uncomfortable about conversation around race, like, oh, they're playing a race card. No, it's not playing a race card. So we're not going to fall into that trap of playing the victim, and I'm doing quotations of playing the victim. But now I'm going to advocate now because I'm aware that some forces are working against me Mm -hmm. to cause me not to succeed or to keep me from succeeding. And so now I got to learn how to think strategically mm. in order to make sure that I'm being successful. And when I am failing, when I have some losses, it's not because I'm black and I'm dumb. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It's so because that I have all these forces working against me to make sure that I fail. And so now I got to make sure that I'm positioning myself to remove yeah. these barriers. The other thing is, is that now, so now, you know, well, Dr. Jones, you are, you are a principal, you are an administrator. You know, what can you do to help us get in position to mm-hmm. be able to advocate? So now they're learning how to network, mm-hmm. right? We yeah. say network as adults. Now they're learning how to use their resources mm-hmm. and people in positions of power to help them get what they need to That's be good. successful. Yeah. So now it's not putting all of the blame and all That's this good. pressure on the students, but now they're learning how to partner with people in positions that's, so that's yeah. going to advocate for them to help them be su- yeah. successful in life. Yeah, that's so good. Can you talk a little bit about how even you are equipping the teachers and the staff to help support the students of color yes. or just support yeah. them like not only to respond to cultural moments but have that be something that infiltrates the school yeah. system yeah. as like a yeah. natural and, thing and yeah. real quick too mm-hmm. I think what you just said is phenomenal right mm-hmm. because Praise God. Um, mm-hmm. some of the students black and brown students who do well in K through 12 right um, when you get to college, the experience is a lot different. That yeah. experience is you actually have to know how you to, have to know. Yep. network, yep. right? And you yep. have to know how to use the the system and the people in, in power to kind of navigate and get yourself to where you want to be. Mm-hmm. And I would go as far to say is that um, not only black and brown students, but first generation college students oh, yes. don't know don't know how to do that. No. Mm-hmm. And so what you're talking about is actually transformational. Yes, sir. Mm-hmm. <laughs> is that it's yes, actually going to help uh, students understand what that takes and what that looks like mm-hmm. before they even get yes. to you know higher education to the yes. next level. So that yes. that that is yes. brilliant, man. Yes, wow. yes, so it that's is awesome. so so important. So yeah. now they're not independent; they're yeah. dependent. That's mm-hmm. right. They're, you know, mm-hmm. it's okay to network with Dr. Jones and call mm-hmm. him back. You know, five years later, yeah. you ask mm-hmm. him for a reference and all of that. Mm-hmm. But it's more like a partnership, interdependent. It's yeah. interdependent, yeah. right? And so it's no more that's dependency. Yeah. I mean, so we have to help our students yeah. to to have those skills, right? Yeah, yeah, that's good. The other thing is like how we work with adults. So we had to do two things. One yeah. is that. You know, in order to get adults aware and help them understand that we've all been socialized to believe these things about black and brown Mm -hmm. people. Right. And even this internalized, uh, this Mm -hmm. internalized oppression that black and brown people have, too. But we also had to realize, okay, it's going to take a lot to get these people out of their old ways. Right. So we're going to continue to work on them. We're going to going to expose them to new knowledge and understanding. Right. But then what we had to realize is that we got to hire. 
So at the front yeah. end, yeah. we yeah. got to have equity centered. We, 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 we don't want you to just give us a flowery example where you can pull up interview questions on Google and you can kind of practice on what to answer. But we want to ask our people, that our candidates, um, tell us about your experiences when, yeah, when yeah. you work with brown and black students, when you yeah. work with uh, black and brown families. Tell us about your experience. And so we want to hear evidence around yeah. those questions. We don't want to hear a canned answer. We want to hear like your experiences. And what did you learn from that? Yeah. You know, and okay. so and so because we want to hire people who are equity oriented, right? Yeah. We want to, we want it to be at the center of who they are yeah. when they when we hire yeah. them. Because now we can place them in the classroom. Mm-hmm. Then we can also partner with them. Yeah. Hey, this is what I'm seeing, you know. Dang. My colleague next door, you know, I heard them yelling at, you know, one of the students and I saw all the other students. And so now we're partnering with them. We're allowing them to we're giving them space to have some advocacy from teachers' perspectives. Mm-hmm. And so now we're kind of having that back and forth. So I would always say, you know, yes, we have to teach the, the the staff that we have, yep. but we also have to hire on the front end. Man, yeah. yeah, that's real good. That's yeah. awesome. Man, I think as we talk about like Jesus being at the center of racial reconciliation, as we think about the youth and wanting to be people that actually run hard towards next generation, mm-hmm. what would you say that should look like for the church to like preach the truth of like the gospel as it pertains to like racial issues to encourage the next generation to walk in that right. so that we're not actually con- continuing without actually loving what the gospel says about right. Um, race. Right. One of the things I appreciate, so let me use the secular example uh, and then switch it over to uh, church, right? Yeah. Is that one of the things that when we talk in terms of equity, most people think like even my hire, and I commend AIM School District and I appreciate, you know, them hiring me. But I would tell people all the time, like, I'm not here just for black students, but I'm also here for white students. That's right. yeah. That's because right. now they get the white students get to see a black person in a position of authority. Wow. Mm-hmm. So now they're learning how to engage with a black person that they may not have seen mm-hmm. outside of trying to clap their hands as they're going through the tunnel. Yeah. <laughs> you know, they're coming out of the stadium and I'm going to reach my hand over and I'm going to get a high five from one of the Iowa State football oh. players or Iowa State basketball yeah. player, right? Yeah. But now they get to engage with me every yeah, day. You good. know, they get to come in my office. They have yeah. to come and sit in my office when they're in trouble. Yeah. And so now they get to see how I interact like, oh, with wait, them. They can when do more they... than dribble the ball? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> you can do more than right. touch that one. Yeah, you're not going to bust a rap out in a second here. <laughs> wow. Right. So that's that's one side. So mm-hmm. now, again, they see it modeled, right? They, so they get the chance to experience interacting with somebody who doesn't look like them. But that's also the case in the house of faith. Yeah. yeah. That when we begin to put people in front of our congregation mm-hmm. who doesn't look like us. Yeah who does not have the same experience, but they are preaching down the word, precept upon precept. And they're learning and engaging in that. And again, that's humility Mm -hmm. and that's being humble, right? Because I'm sitting in this chair and I didn't know... uh, uh, Cherub's gonna get up there and preach, and he's like six now. He's one of the big black men, and so I gotta sit here. I don't want to leave yet, but then you know it turns from you know this shock, and then it comes from this, yeah, this leaning in, right? Yeah. But it happens because we put that person, we we allow space for that person to be in position to be. That's good. Yeah. A representative mm. of what is in the scriptures. Yeah, that's good. And so until and again. Young yeah. people sniff out yeah. uh, fakeness, uh-huh. 
Right? They, you know that, right? Yeah, they yeah. they, yeah. they yeah. sniff it out. Well, you being phony and fake and all that stuff, mm-hmm. they sift through all of that stuff. Yeah. And when we start aligning with what we say and what the scriptures that we're showing them to what they see, then they're going to be more engaged. Yeah. Then they're yeah. going to take on more responsibility. They're going to be standing waiting, you know, outside waiting for you to unlock the door you know they're gonna be you know pestering their parents to make sure that Mm -hmm. they're here every Wednesday night to make sure that they're in here they're gonna help fold chairs put chairs up they're gonna want to get behind the booth and do music they want to lead praise and worship because now it's not jumping in a spaceship Mm -hmm. and going over to another planet in order to have church but they're actually seeing it modeled in front of them man that's that's good good. yes ma'am gosh cool man I think we could Sit here and listen to you for another hour, bro. Um, But we don't got the time, man. But I do want to thank you for the time that you gave us. This has been uh, super rich for us, man. And I think it'll be very rich for our listeners as well. Yep. You know, so, man, it was amazing to have you on the Pat podcast, as I knew it would be. Uh, Yeah. You've been an amazing brother to me. I've said super thankful for your friendship, Mm. super thankful for who you are to me, man. And uh, look forward to the many conversations that we'll have from here too. So thank you. Thank Thank you guys for tuning into the ambassador podcast, Dr. Jones and Tracy. Y'all have been great. Uh, I'm looking forward to discussing more topics here in the coming weeks. We hope for you listeners that this has been a helpful resource and we encourage you to visit our website at www.weareambassador.com where we'll be uploading a consistent stream of resources for you to dive into. If you have any questions or concerns, please sign up for our newsletter where you'll receive monthly updates and an opportunity to send in questions or pursue conversations with us. Thank you guys uh, for listening. We'll be back soon. See ya. Thank you for listening to the Ambassador Podcast. If you would like to hear more episodes or get more information about the Ambassador, please check out our website at www.weareambassador.com.